listening to the Confessions of a Clairvoyant Housewife podcast. From marriage to menopause and margaritas, nothing is off the table. This is Cindy Goldenberg. Hi, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Today, I want to talk about my breast cancer and my recovery and my upcoming surgeries and my choices and basically my story. My intention is to validate and to inspire and also to share because I really don't know how the outcome is going to be. I know intellectually, but I've never done this before. And hopefully my story and my process will help others, especially women, and inspire them to make the best choice for themselves. So I had breast cancer a year and a half ago in my left breast. It was small. I had a lumpectomy. They basically got it out with the biopsy. And then I had three weeks of radiation. And then I was put on a estrogen blocker because the cancer that I had was estrogen positive as well as progest- uh, progesterone positive, which was unfortunate for me because since I've been, let's see, like age 42, I hit menopause right after having my daughter at age 41. And at 42 or 43, I went on bioidentical hormones and they help me immensely. Bioidentical means it's what your body makes. I went to a functional or alternative MD. I never took anything synthetic. I'm not against it. I just can't take birth control pill or synthetic estrogen because years ago in my 20s, I had um, blood clots in my shins. So I'm just not a good candidate for that. But I did take natural hormones, which made my skin soft and it made my mind balanced and not so agitated. And I have always worked with an MD for those 20 something years. And now to have it taken away from me, put me into a nosedive of hot flashes from hell, just basically feeling like I'm being breathed on by a dragon and weight gain, and now diabetes, and just a plethora of symptoms that are unfricking fun. But thanks for listening, like you had a choice, but let's go back to the topic of how this all happened. After I had my son at 32, around age 34, I had a lump in my breast and it turned out to be benign, and it was just basically some kind of little fat ball tumor. And I remember it being taken out, and I lived in Orange County, and it was the end of the day, and the surgeon I knew very well, and we had a store, a home theater store in Laguna Niguel, and we lived in Laguna Beach in California, and he was a client, and he'd come in and rent movies, and by stereo equipment. So the surgeon who removed the lump, he did it at the end of the day. And I remember the beautiful orange sunset and the sky and the ocean. 
and he put the little paper napkin up by my chin and he and the nurse kind of dug away. And then I felt like someone that would take your shirt and kind of tug it like, hey, come here. And he kind of did a couple pulls and then it was quiet. And I go, let me see, let me see. And he goes, I don't want to show you. And I go, I want to look. I got an A in anatomy years ago and I love this stuff. So show me what you just pulled out. So he held it up on his old tweezers and it looked like a squashed apricot with roots, like a weed. And I thought, isn't that interesting what the body does? Here, I couldn't even feel it. And it's like really big, like a walnut, and it has these long stringy roots on it. How cool. Anyway, he stitched me up and I never thought twice about it. Now, both my mother and my grandmother had breast cancer on the left side. I believe they were in their 50s and back in the 70s when my mom had her mastectomy. It was devastating for her. I remember her being in the hospital for a long time and I was there when they pulled the drain tube out and it was like the size of a fire hose and it hurt her. And then she had no breast and just clean down to the ribs and she was fine and lived like that and I remember her taking her to a very um, special store in Newport Beach that had orthopedic things from shoes to breast pads and bathing suits and I bought a very expensive beautiful swimsuit and pretty bras where she could have the um, breast pad put in to her left side and wear clothes. And still, she was beautiful and vibrant and lived to almost 80. So now, my whole life, I've known that my breasts were either dense or kind of hard to read. And I had mammograms regularly. In fact, I think I started early because of the incident that I just told you when I was in my early 30s. And so I had mammograms every few years. And then back in the day when they had them and they were more expensive or you had to pay cash for the digital because it was more clear and easier to read, I did that, of course, because of my history. So I've always had this, I don't want to say cloud, but this realistic expectation, knowledge, uh, no surprises, uh, breast cancer, possibility conversation in my lap my whole life. And up until a few years ago, I went again for a mammogram when I lived in Miami and they'd say, come back. And I'd go back and then I'd get a letter and say, come back again and we'll do ultrasound and then come back. So I'm always used to mm, come back conversation. And at the time I was going to an alternative integrative functional MD to do my vitamin panel and my thyroid, natural thyroid and my natural hormones. And I told her about my breast exams and how they all came back, quote, negative. And she said, why don't you do a thermogram? And I go, 
oh, I've heard of that. And she says, yeah, we offer it here in the office. It's $150 and, you know, it takes a picture of you. It's not scientific, but at least it'll show, like, if there's any hot spots in your breast or any density through this color and um, you'll have it. And then, you know, in my mind, I thought, well, in a few months or like six months, we'll do it again and see if there's any changes because I got to wait another year for a mammogram, right? So I went into the room and of course I wanted to do it because it was only $150 because back in Los Angeles, I remember a friend paying four or 500 and I thought, wow, Miami, you really get your money's worth. So I went into a room, took off my top. They turned the air conditioning on really, really high and made it really super cold because, and they turned off the lights and it was, you know, not dark, but it was without the lights on kind of a shady afternoon. And the, I held my arms up like, you know, if a policeman said, put your hands up. So I put my hands up and the image that it created was kind of like a weather pattern. You know, my, my head and my shoulders and most of my body were blues and greens and the hot spots that were red and orange and yellow were like under my chin and under my armpits. But in my breasts, so you couldn't really see, I just kind of looked like a weather map. It looked like a human body, a head and shoulders. And then these areas on the breast area of blue and green. And then there were these little islands of red and yellow and orange. So I had these little islands in the chest area. And that's all I had. And she said, why don't you see a breast specialist? And I didn't know what a breast specialist was. And even though I'm outgoing and I'm proactive in my health, and I'm uh, a good student, take direction. I also question things. And I'm a good participant with my doctor. Uh, I really didn't know what that meant. And she goes, that's a breast cancer doctor. And in my mind, I thought, go to a breast cancer doctor. I can't do that. I don't have cancer. I'm going to be wasting someone's time. But I didn't say anything. And so I made an appointment, and as I go up to Mount Sinai in Miami, this massive, huge hospital that has an entire glass new tower building for cancer, especially breast cancer, and I saw the head of the department, and I felt very unworthy or silly or what if I get made fun of. I know, hard to believe me, but I tell you this so you are informed because we as women are kind of taught to not question authority and don't do something that would be foolish. Still, I went. So when I met him, I said, here are my mammograms and ultrasounds. They're all negative. I don't have cancer. I don't have anything to show you. However, I have this colored map and it's called a thermogram. It's not scientific. And then I made a joke. I said, don't you make fun of me. This is Miami. Everyone here is buff, and there's a juice bar on every corner. So he kind of smirked, and he looked at it, and he said, okay, that's interesting. And I said, listen, my doctor wanted me to come see you because of these little abnormal areas, which may be normal, I don't know. 
but I have a history of my mother, grandmother, blah, blah, blah. So he said, well, we can do an MRI. That's not invasive and that'll give us more information. So I had an MRI, which is extremely uncomfortable. Men, you are so lucky. I swear to God, if this were for men's testicles, it would be made out of Corinthian leather. It would be Rolls Royce leather. But what it is, is you have to put your arms above your head and lay face down on a thin pad that feels like pointy rocks and your ribs start to hurt and you lay down and your chest and your breast hang so the MRI imaging can come around the breast area. But it's hard for me or most people to get very, very flat and your face goes in a little mushroom and you have to relax your shoulder blades and really get flat like beyond swimming or surfing or whatever. You have to extend your arms way above your head and lay perfectly still for 30 to 40 minutes. Impossible. I have to chant and go somewhere. But I did it. And sure enough, there were 10 masses. They were different size. There were six in the left breast, four in the other. I had atypical hyperplasia. Some of them were cysts, some of them weren't, but they were big and they were ready to pop. And I really didn't know anything about it. I just looked it up and it said, it's not really cancer, but it's a propensity or odds are it would be. But I've learned in the cancer world, no one can talk about cancer as a lifestyle or a probability. It's only a science of statistics and your rate of surviving. So they can't technically answer you, what's this mean, what's this not mean? But this doctor did say, these are very large masses. I would feel better if they were removed and it I'll take them out because they're very suspicious and because of your history. I said, sure, fine. After I had the first MRI, I had to have multiple MRIs and biopsies. They don't just look at it and let you go. And on my 60th birthday, I was in that confined, awful position for an hour and a half. And I couldn't get up when it was over. And they inject this needle to suck out the the um, tissue so they can biopsy it. And they did it six, seven times on one breast and five times on the other. I had previous biopsies where I laid on my back and got Novocaine in my breast and they did it with like a little gun and they would, it would suction out tissue. But this had to be in the MRI with the breasts in a plastic kind of a Lego squashed um, apparatus that holds you still and then they come in the doctor comes in and targets the areas under MRI and then they have little tiny markers injected inside your body that show up on the MRI and then they come in and they numb you and then they target the gun and suction out so the procedure you have to hold still for that and then you have to hold still and breathe very very carefully when you go back into the tube the MRI Needless to say, I was traumatized. I lived through it. A lot of people do. It's awful. So on that, that's where they saw the masses. So then two months later, I had them removed. 
and my breasts looked like bowling balls. And I was like a 40C, you know, I'm 6'1". I'm not large breasts, but, you know, medium size, whatever. But they were quaddies. I don't know what they were, but they got really big. I had to put ice packs on them and they were purple and black and blue. And so I had all this little tissues removed. My areola looked like little train tracks. He did a nice job with the surgery. My uh, nipple area went concave. The, the left breast became like a half size smaller than the right. And so the scars healed eventually. But at least I thought, oh, thank God we got it all out. We got all those funny tissues out and I'm safe. So the good news is that after I had the procedure and because I had an MRI, I was in the MRI club. I, yes, still got follow-up mammograms and yes, follow-up diagnostic mammograms and yes, ultrasounds, but I got to get a follow-up MRI. So I think I had one immediately after the surgery, a quick one, just to make sure everything was in place, I guess. And then I had another one two years after that. So it would be three years after the surgery. So I go in and I have an MRI and I intuitively, by the way, knew I had cancer. I thought, I have cancer. I heard it's cancer and it's there and then it won't be. I heard it like a thought. It wasn't female or male, but it wasn't mine. And then I looked at the technician when I came out and because I had a diagnostic MRI, I had contrast dye where they put an IV in your vein and then at the last few minutes they inject dye and then they see it differently and they put you back into the MRI machine and she said yeah something lit up and I looked at her and I said yeah I know it's cancer but it'll be gone she goes oh but we don't know that and I go I think it is and then she says well either way it lit up and they're gonna see and biopsy and they're gonna see it might be a cyst and I think yeah yeah no it's not but I wasn't scared and I wasn't panicked. And by the way, before I had that MRI, in the interim of those three years, I went to my gynecologist regularly and I had the BRCA gene test and it came back negative. And while I was waiting the four to six weeks for the BRCA gene test to come back, that's when I took a trip to California to see my son and do things and see friends and go to the beach that I wanted to take my mind off of what if I have to lose my breasts. So I was nervous, scared, a little teary. Of course, I was a little scared before my biopsy when I was still 59, but I was courageous and grateful that I had such a smart doctor to do a thermogram and insist that I go see a specialist. So the gratitude outweighed the fear and then the practicality of getting the test 
when I got the results, I thought, oh, thank God, that's not me. I don't have that gene and I don't have to deal with this because I was afraid and I didn't want to do it. And I didn't want, it seemed too scary and overwhelming. But now back to my story. So I had the, the surgery, I healed, and now I come back three years from the first MRI and three years from the surgery, the first surgery, and I'm getting the breast cancer removed. And at the time when I saw the surgeon, I said to him, you know, don't you think it's funny that I'm here three years later that I have cancer? Like, is that unusual or odd? And I really liked him and he was quiet and he had a soft demeanor and he was an excellent surgeon, but he answered like a surgeon. And he said, yeah, but no, we, we got it. It's a good thing. We got it. It's quite small. And then I asked, do you think maybe, like, would it be a good idea to have a mastectomy? Or should I think about that? Or is that, you know, I started to bring up the word. And he kind of nicely made a little frown or like a concerned look and like, and he just said, why would we do that? Why would I, it's, I could, it's, we probably already got it. We're just checking margins. It was so small and the kind you had could have sat there for years. And it's really just so simple. And then, you know, you can do the radiation if you want. And then, you know, they give you the medication, which is the same. And then you're fine. And I thought, yeah, you know, you're right. It's like a pimple. Why would you, you know, do an entire cheek implant when it's a little tiny pimple on the chin? You know, who needs surgery when you don't really want to go through it? So I kind of got talked into it, but I felt good that, and I still respect him that, yeah, it's small, but I thought, wait a minute, how would I know what kind of cancer it is? How would I know that it would sit there for years? What if it's the other kind that isn't anything to do with hormones? What if it's the kind that grows really fast? But I kind of shoved that in the back of my mind and I went to get it done and I had a nice nap and it was an outpatient and it was nothing like the previous surgery with the atypical hyperplasia. It was literally a tiny little incision on the left side of my breast and you can't even see the scar. I mean, it literally was a pimple, if that. So he just said, now, you know, I'm done. It looks, you healed, et cetera, et cetera. And now you go in to get your, uh, you sign up for the uh, radiation. And I didn't really know what that meant. And when I asked the radiation doctor, she goes, well, it's up to you because you're still going to continue to get MRIs and follow-ups. But, you know, it was small. And this way, it ensures that it won't grow back or come back in that area. And I thought, okay. So I did it. And I didn't know. I knew the skin would get scaly a few weeks later. 
but I didn't know it would turn the entire tissue into like heavy sand in a bag or gravel and that parts of my back and my side and my shoulder blade and my shoulders and down my arm would ache or hurt or burn for months, even over a year. And even now, it still feels different. Or once in a while, I'll grab the side of my breast and it feels bruised or like I slammed it in a door. I didn't realize that radiation was the gift that kept giving. But that's okay. That's okay. I made that decision. So now it's been a few years and I get my MRI and it's clear and I move and I get my mammogram and they ask me, is it diagnostic or regular? And I thought, oh, that's a good question. Well, I have cancer and it's a diagnostic. So they got me in sooner. And then I didn't go back to my original surgeon because I moved to the Gulf Coast to Sarasota. So I researched and found a breast cancer surgeon who I met with. And it turned out that ordinarily, she said, surgeons don't take on new patients. You usually go through another doctor and get referred to an oncologist for your medication. And if you need to see a surgeon, you see one, but you just don't have a follow-up with someone new. You usually stay with your person for five years. But I said, well, I didn't know what else to do because if I were back in Miami, it would be time to see my surgeon. So she saw me and I brought in my records and she was lovely and she was young and she was calm. And I just was making a joke kind of like, yeah, you know, when I went and saw him, I, I said, don't you think it's kind of funny that I'm here after three years and I have cancer. Like, that was quick. And she said, yes, because you're very high risk. And she explained to me that even though in my mind, well, I had stage zero, it wasn't real cancer, or I had a typical hyperplasia years before that, and that's not really cancer. And the way you look up things or Google things, it's like, well, it's not really cancer. You're not really in that driving lane. And I'm here to tell you, yes, you are. And it isn't just because of my history. Well, it is. Even though I don't have the BRCA gene, but I, there's something genetic that's prone to having cancer. But I even saw a genetic counselor that did 47 genes to look at all the other cancers, and they all came back negative. But as she explained is, our bodies, as we get older, become weaker to the environment, to the toxins, to everything that we eat or that we're exposed to, and cancer develops. Unfortunately, it develops because of just the age and our bodies have been battling for a long time. And that made sense. But what I didn't know, going back to the story and when I told her, well, I thought that was funny, you know, that here it is three years, she said, yes, you are very high risk. You have a higher percentage of getting cancer again because your risk is higher like 20 to 25% versus the average person. And even with the radiation 
And even with the medication, you have another breast. And I went, yeah. And then she said this. She goes, you know, when you hit your five-year mark, you no longer are what are in what you call the MRI club. You go back to your primary and you get regular screenings and you don't get diagnostic screenings. So I thought, wait a minute, what, 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 what? You mean I have to start over? You mean I'm going to be in my late 60s or I could be possibly 70 and I'm not going to have an MRI and I'm going to have to depend on a mammogram? And here the mammogram didn't show all those 10 masses that that surgeon took out. And here a mammogram didn't show that breast cancer that I had taken out. And I'm going to have to wait till something shows up on a mammogram and then I'm going to have to go through this again and go through this biopsy and these MRIs again and be older again and all of a sudden the light went on and then she answered without me even asking she goes a lot of people in your situation have bilateral mastectomies and breast reconstruction so they can have peace of mind so they can have a future so they can have a life And I said, why, you know, I asked about that. Why didn't, why wasn't this offered? And she says, because a surgeon and cancer, we just talk about what's in front of us and that's how we're taught to answer. But you're here as a new patient and a consultation and I'm looking at you going, I can do this and it's a very good option. So then she sent me to the geneticist just for my comfort. And she sent me to the plastic surgeon, who turns out to be one of the best in the country. And he loves to teach and educate. And he said the same thing. Hi, nice to meet you. You're very high risk. So when I keep hearing it over and over, it's validation that I'm being guided to do this. And then I met a new oncologist and his physician assistant and sat with them an hour. And he said the same thing. Ordinarily, yes, it's true, a little tiny speck or a little tiny cancer was removed and a lot of people would opt for a lumpectomy. But given your story and your history of your mother and your grandmother and that it was only your timeline was only a few years beforehand and your atypical hyperplasia, you're very high risk. So here all three were saying the same words high risk. So I tell you this story because in it you're going to identify with what you've gone through or what other women have gone through or what you will or possibly go through. And it doesn't stand out on Google when you say, is hyperplasia a high risk or does that mean I'm going to... No one's going to answer you that. And everyone's going to always take your hand and lead you down the path of least resistance, the most comfortable, easy way for you and for everyone else, and tell you your options. And surgery and redecorating your breasts and removing them and doing tubes and doing multiple surgeries is not going to come bubbling out of their mouth. It's up to you to research this, to talk to people, 
to join a group, to go online, to ask her friends or your friends of friends. I did immediately. I remembered people who posted it on Facebook that I didn't know well, but I said, may we talk? And since that time, even in the last few weeks, everyone I talk to and I say, I'm going to have this bilateral mastectomies and I'm going to have my breasts rebuilt and it's going to be over multiple surgeries in multiple months, if not a year or more. And the doctors all said the same thing and they all know each other. And they said, we would not guide you to do anything that wasn't for your highest good and the smartest thing for you. And they said of each other, oh, this Dr. XYZ, I trust everything she says. And she would say about the other one, I trust everything he says. And they all said the same thing, that you're making the smartest decision. And I even asked the plastic surgeon, I know this isn't really what you're supposed to answer because you're talking about how you're going to rebuild the breast. But do you see women come in with cancer that's different on the new breast or the, the, the healthy breast? Or do you this or do you that? And I picked his brain. And even though I knew he could search for words it, with his expressions, I could tell that Yes, he's seen it all without saying it. Yes, it can be very serious. Even my friend that I called in California said, I had stage one and I knew I wanted my breasts removed. And they went, oh, not necessary. We can get it in lumpectomy or just a little radiation. You don't have it in your lymph nodes, et cetera, et cetera. No, I want them. She already knew. She already knew. She had an epiphany, she said. She had intuition. She felt confident. It wasn't a surprise. The cancer was a surprise, but she was grounded and confident in her decision. And then when her breasts were removed, the healthy breasts, they found cancer. The cancer did not show up on the mammogram or the ultrasound, nor did it show up on the MRI but it showed up in the pathology. So I don't say this to frighten you, to say, oh, you automatically have to remove your breasts. I'm saying this because it's my story, because I questioned. Something made me question, why not remove my breasts so I can have a life? So I could, well, that's so dramatic, and that's so, and oh, it's complicated, and oh... I get it, but I asked, and now, for whatever reason, I'm guided to tell you this, and I was guided to move here, and I was guided to meet these people, and I was guided to meet the surgeon who looked me right in the eye and said, but of course, it's the best thing you could do. So in a few days, or by the time you hear this, I will have my first surgery. So please send me light and healing and as I recover, I will inform you and educate you about the process and about me and my progress in healing. Thank you so much. Stay healthy, make good choices, and know that you're always guided to make the best decision.
You have been listening to the Confessions of a Clairvoyant Housewife podcast with intuitive expert, Cindy Goldenberg. To learn more or stay connected, be sure to visit www.cindygoldenberg.com.